welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. We uh, love that you're here spending your time with us. We know your time is valuable. Uh, we will try to make this useful and engaging. Today, I have my brother Jason back again. I love these visits with him. And we are still in the process of creating our own thing combined uh, rather than using my platform of healthy perspectives. And we think we have a solution to that. We'll go ahead and drop that later on at some point. Um, but we, we are on the right track and, uh, hopefully we'll get that thing rolling here in the next couple of months. So Jason, we got a topic today that uh, I've, I've been dying to engage in because it's it's a it, you, I think we're going to have different perspectives but it'll be really interesting to see where they intersect. Uh today I want to talk about rules of engagement. Now this came up because on the therapeutic side I deal with couples pretty routinely uh who argue with each other. And arguing in, just in a, it, it by itself isn't necessarily a problem. But how we do it absolutely matters. So I've got this whole backdrop here on my side, but let's just, let's just start with some low hanging fruit here. When, when we talk, when I say something like, what are the rules of engagement for a a disagreement? Where does that take you? That takes me to, I guess I visualize it in a sense of like, uh, uh, bumper bowling. And that is what, what is the left limit? What's the right limit? And what direction are we going? And how do we stay within those limits and get to the objective? That's, that's kind of how I visualize it when you just say the phrase. Okay. So it's goal oriented in your mind, mm-hmm. right? There, there has to be an end objective. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So that, that starts us off with the inherently what is the problem? What if your objective and my objective are totally oh. different? True. So that's, I guess, that's like a, a seven ten split, right? Yep. You're, you're trying to knock down the seven. I'm trying to knock down a 10, but we both want to knock down the thing. Uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, I guess you have to get on the same page in order for that to even be possible. And that's not easy to do. <laughs> Not always, sometimes super easy, but sometimes I can imagine it, it's going to seem virtually impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would call that like, uh, when we are emotionally dysregulated, dysregulated, we would call that like crisis communication. Like how do we function when we are emotionally overwhelmed and, you know, I mean, it's, it's not really like a crisis in the sense that, well, it can turn into a crisis. You know, you've probably dealt with some of those in, uh, in, in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's a strategic plan in place, uh, when, when we enter crisis communication. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's take a look at that real quick. Let's okay. look at, Worst case scenarios, you know, if if you are, or me or both of us are overwhelmed, let's say, Mm -hmm. what are the rules of engagement when we're overwhelmed? I guess from a, from a law enforcement perspective, it would be the, the rule of engagement at that point is to not engage. You need to, you need to separate the two parties and and figure out what individually what those objectives are because they it gets clouded when it gets too heavy and intertwined and and then you you lose that left limit and that right limit and all of a sudden everything is fair game and then you lose sight of of where you're going and so you need to uh pull everything back 
And what we do is we just, we separate individuals. You have to and say, okay, what is it that's your issue? What is the problem? And then what is your issue? And, and do that. It, it's not always easy because sometimes the one party will embed their issue with the other person. And so they won't be able to articulate what their issue is because in the absence of the other person, the foundation of what their, uh, what their, where they see the conflict, uh, it disappears. And so that becomes challenging, especially in, in my world when, when I dealt with it, because I wasn't, you know, in the therapeutic realm, it was just make the situation better. So I didn't have the, the, the educational background that you would have, let's say in a situation like that, but it would, but we could still make it better. We just couldn't solve the problem because the, the problem runs too, too deep in well, our and, context. And that wasn't the point of you being there was to solve. That's not your point. You're, Correct. You're Correct. there to, uh, to, to reduce the tension, mm-hmm. to make them functional again, and then get the heck out of there. Like one, so more or less. So the way I've talked about that, and I may have said this to you at different points as well. Uh, but we, you know, in, in the front of our brain, right behind our forehead is a thing we call a prefrontal cortex. It's nickname is the meaning maker. Mm-hmm. Well, funny thing happens to that when we get emotionally overwhelmed, it shuts down. Mm-hmm. It goes offline. We can't make new meaning. And so, you know, that you talk about the, the bumpers like disappearing, that's what it's like. And so we can't tell where the limits are on the sides. We can't. So, so what do we do when, when that occurs, we, we compensate by repeating ourselves over and over and over again, we do it louder. We do it more intensely. Our paraverbals change, our nonverbals change. And eventually we work ourselves into a frenzy and potentially even try to make people do or think like us. Mm-hmm which is totally dysfunctional. Like after the fact, we can look back oftentimes if our confirmation bias isn't too strong and we can go, yeah, I was kind of over the top by, I don't know, a lot mm-hmm. when, you know, in those situations. Um, but it's, it's a problem. Um, okay. So let me, let me tell you a, a little bit about what, what I would say in a, in a, in a crisis situation where we're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So the, the rule, one of the rules that I use, and, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pause and get, get your feedback along the way and see what you think. But one of the, the basic rules is either one of us ahead of time, we know this, we set the parameters, either one of us can call a timeout. Mm-hmm. At any time, for any reason, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot like being in a, a an athletic game, right? We we you know you could be on offense or defense. You can call a timeout, right? There we as long as it's established ahead of time, mm-hmm. right? So uh, in the timeout, there's you know in a crisis situation, what I tell couples is have a safe place. There's a designated safe place. Whereas if you can't come up with the words to call a timeout, you just head to your safe place. And once you're there, the message is clear. We don't go into each other's safe place. Not when we're like, you know, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, some people will say something like, well, my car is my safe place. And I'll say, okay, that's fine. As long as you don't leave because leaving sends a specific type of message. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go sit in the car, great. By all means, that's your safe place. Go sit in your car. If, if they're in the car, we don't mess with them. Mm-hmm. We, we have a 15 or a 20 minute. Usually is what I say, a 15 or 20 minute check-in to say, you know, like, Hey, just checking in. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Why? Because a lot of times when we come down from being overwhelmed, we realize just how stupid we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really nice when somebody comes along and says, Hey, are you Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. You can come in. And then you sit in the car maybe at that point because the invitation was there. The crisis mm-hmm. is gone, right? And then you, you talk it through and life is good. That's that's what we could do in a crisis situation. What are your thoughts on on something like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, knowing the rules ahead of time 
hence rules of engagement is is super important and if if that is a pre-established rule then yeah it makes a whole lot of sense because you you want you might need that time and knowing that you have that outlet it's like when you had when you set up your room that the door is always to the opposite side of you right it's that yeah. it's that it's that easy out yep. it's that off ramp whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. right and and that if that pre established rule exists then then you then the two parties won't feel trapped ever in that situation because then they know hey we might get heated but we have an out i can get off right here and say chill for a second you know and yep. take that time so yeah i like it yeah, so that pre-established. Now, let me ask you this: You've been married a while. Mm-hmm. Did you verbally pre-establish your rules of engagement? Which weird, not exactly, <laughs> but uh, for as long as we've been together, the rules are understood, and it's weird because you want to say, "Well, you need to know the rules ahead of time." We didn't know the rules ahead of time. But when, when you're, we're talking about something, let's say it's controversial, whatever, and I'm not understanding her. She's not understanding me. And she's, she says these certain things and I know what those mean. And, 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 and I shut down. I am like, okay, got it. You, you said the magic phrase and I know what that means. So I disappear and I, I just let it go. Cause it doesn't do any good to go past that because I, I've learned that it doesn't, it gets less productive from that point on and we can be more productive with time. So I let it go. So you do this process. You just do it informally. It's informal, but it's, it's, but it's definitely formal. <laughs> it was informally established, but it's formal in nature. Yeah. That's interesting. So my experience with most couples, obviously you, I've got a slant, right? My slant is I deal with couples typically, not always, but the vast majority of them, once they are already having difficulty. Mm -hmm. And so communication is one of those things that we return to and, Mm -hmm. you know, in establishing a safe place, establishing a process to, but when we do it explicitly, it's super helpful. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's amazing how fast, honestly, if, if I got a couple that's really dedicated to each other, their commitment is all in mm-hmm. and they've just been torturing each other with, with, you know, because they're not engaging in arguments the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. Not, not my right way, but the way that's going to work, work for, them, for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's amazing. Like I, I've literally, it's in some cases, I've had couples come into me, uh, you know, twice. We go over, you know, what's been going on. Good, you know, the, I go over all my informed consent, all this stuff. And, you know, that takes up a good chunk of the first one. The second time we go over some communication basics, we find some knowledge gaps, and then we talk about rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. And they, they walk away going, amazing, like, awesome. Yeah, uh, and and the next time I hear from them, it isn't about communication. It's about something else. And it's you know I've had situations where literally they come in and they do that and they disappear for like six months and then they come in because something new came up. Huh. But their rules of engagement are in place, and that's how they they identified that they needed to get some help in yeah. this new area because okay. the rules of engagement were there and they they weren't able to solve it. It's yeah. Just the two of them. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. So uh, what we see culturally right now, I'm just going to insert this uh, in terms of uh, the way people are communicating. We're seeing a lot of things like name calling. Is name calling a good idea in, I mean, that's an uh, like a, a facetious question, but name calling, should that be off the list? You mean, you mean like out of bounds? Yes. Yeah. It makes no sense. Okay, good. What else falls into the out of bounds category? Uh, 
I would say, Ooh, that's tough. I, I would say like just outright blaming is off the limits because, because no one wins in the blame game because you can always find fault in something. And, and, and what I mean by that is, is you can blame one person for something and then they'll blame you for something else. And now you're not even on topic. You're like, wait, are we just, are we just blaming? Because that doesn't, Yeah. what's the objective? Because we can blame all day. I mean, you could be in a, you know, marriage for 20 years and, and you can find something to blame someone else for at any point in time. Right. You know, like whatever, but it doesn't help. Like what's the problem and how do we solve it? Oh, I would say using, here's another one that like, um, I think is helpful is, uh, how you use the word I, you, and we. Okay. Like establishing the, a clear rules for those. Um, don't say you are or you feel or you see. Because now I'm trying to interject what, how I think the other person sees, hears, or feels something. Right. Now, if it's phrased in a question, that's, that's back, that's within the limits. Right. Like if you're saying, how, how do you see this? Now you're asking them, how do they see it? But don't say, don't say the words you, you know, you are doing this or you see this. Mm-hmm. You say, I, I observe this and am I wrong? You know, and phrase it like that. This is how I understand what you're saying, right? Don't say this is what you're saying. Oh, so you're saying, you see how, I mean, those phrases don't work. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to finally, let's say you're turning the corner, trying to, you're, you're moving in the direction of solving it. Then I really like the word we. So we should do this as like together. This is, this is our objective. And, and this is what I think we should do. Do you agree? Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of a thing. Like I think using those words, um, I, you, and we are very, uh, they have meaning. And when used incorrectly, they're, they're trigger words. So. Absolutely. I mean, you can tell when a couple has figured out how to, uh, really piss each other off. Like mm-hmm. it's super easy to tell. Okay. Those are good. They, you know, it's kind of funny because you come to the same conclusions that, that we come to in the mental health world. The blaming is countered. The, the counterbalance to blaming is curiosity. Mm-hmm. We get curious. Blaming is pointless. Mm-hmm. I, I've got, obviously I'm, I'm baffled by how you're, you're, you're responding right now. So I'm not sure what to do with that. All of a sudden, that curiosity is like, well, how am I responding? Well, you seem really upset and unhappy with me. You see, like, it's super mm-hmm. easy when we're curious because it counterbalances the blaming thing. Mm-hmm. The idea of I statements, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, there's, it's kind of tough because as a therapist, one of the things that I love is natural communication, where it's mm-hmm. not formed in a specific way mm-hmm. where it's, you know, it, it allows us to be individually ourselves and uniquely an us, a you and me combined. Mm-hmm. And so putting all these rigid rules and expectations around communication is really tough for me mm-hmm. uh, because I, I think sometimes it actually, it creates this robotic nature to the relationship. And I don't, I'm not a big fan. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes it's really important. So the I, you, we thing, absolutely, uh, that's that's great because I statements, uh, they they allow me to express my experience in the situation. Whereas mm-hmm. the you statements, uh, it's me assuming your experience usually. Mm-hmm. And then the we is when we're finally getting back to, there's more than you, there's more than me here. Mm-hmm. There's us the us in this relationship that we need right. to both take care of. So that was, that was really well said. 
Um, I want to ask you about these two things mm-hmm. uh, because I see them routinely and just get your thoughts. Exaggerations and minimizations. How do those play into, you know, the, the uh, rules of engagement? Okay. So let me, let me clarify. So exaggerations, is that in like storytelling exaggerations or is that in exaggerating the, the emotional reaction to something or is it a mix of both or, I mean, I see it in kind of a couple different ways. Good. Explain those ways. Let's do it. Okay. So one way of exaggerating is if you're, if you're recalling, let's say a past event and you make that larger than it, than it, than it was in one sense. So you're exaggerating Let's say, you know, it's the, you know, the 400 pound fish thing. It's yeah. You caught a fish. Now, was it 400 pounds or was it four pounds? As time goes on, the fish is bigger. When you first caught it, it was four pounds because you ate it. But then later it was like, oh, I caught this fish and I wrestled with it for, you know, 70 hours and, you know, old man in the sea and whatever. So like Stories and, and, and conflict can, can exaggerate over time. So that's one way that I see it. And then the other way is, is if something happens, you know, like let, let's just say you have a, some rule about not ever letting a gas tank go below a quarter tank. And it was like, you know, one dot past a quarter tank. And all of a sudden the car was almost empty. I couldn't believe it. I got in the car and you didn't fill it up and it was almost empty. I mean, it was like a, almost a quarter, t- right? There's that as well. So uh that's kind of how I see exaggeration. So okay, what are your thoughts? What, what, in terms of, I mean, that's interesting, right? You, you're talking about uh, emotional exaggeration uh versus say like uh misperception maybe. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. There's misperception. I'm I'm going to be real. Like that's going to occur in an argument when we are emotionally overwhelmed, we're yeah. going to misperceive. So yeah. there's going to be some of that that's going to happen. <clears throat> so if you say a hard, fast rule, like no exaggeration, no minimization within the context of an argument, it leaves no room for feelings. But if it's a free-for-all, then you have the opposite end of the spectrum, and it's a massive problem. Gotcha. So how do we manage that? Uh, well, I mean, you have to create space for feelings. I mean, it has to be there. The relationship doesn't exist without it whether it's a friendship or a, you know, or something deeper, whatever it is, it's there. It's part of the game. If you want to call it that. Um, so you have to be able to feel and allow the other to feel, but I guess not to the extent that it distracts from the goal or the mission, like what it is you're trying to accomplish if there's a conflict, you're trying to resolve the conflict so that you can get back on the same page, pointed in the same direction, moving towards the same target. And if if it moves beyond that, where you lose sight of where you're going, then then the feelings are they're too big, they're too involved, and you've got to you got to reel those back in. Mm-hmm. You went back. Stand. You circled back to the same target again. So this is super interesting. I don't know well, if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever showed you this. And I mean, you might've seen it if you watched any of the other podcasts, but I have a document here. I'm going to, I'm going to just go ahead and pull it up because if you haven't seen this, uh, you're going to probably have one of those moments. This is typically what I get. Oh, that makes sense. Cause that's just what happens. Is so, it what I'm picturing? Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, yeah, most likely. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to share this with you. 
Okay. Sid, have you ever seen this? Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Where did you see this? Mm, well, I want to say you showed it to me, and I also came across it in some of my research. Okay. Uh, so so. I, I'll give you the short version, but but you see that little section? Okay. So the first thing is what we've been talking about for rules of engagement and the, I, I actually will use this with clients who are just struggling big time um, because if they can't create the uh, the right framework for themselves, if you do, like if you naturally argue well and you keep your mind engaged, you don't lose your, your meaning maker, you're going to cover all of these every time anyway. Mm-hmm. But you see that part in the middle where it says topic mm-hmm. and my rating? It's the yeah. most underused part of arguments. Finding out what the actual topic is. Oh. Because okay. you brought it up. You circled back to the target. Same target, right? Same target, same target. Well, the topic, if you're arguing about A and I'm arguing about B, you're you're going to bring up facts that are totally different interpretations mm-hmm. that are totally different feelings that are totally different wants and actions that are totally different why because you're talking about a different topic yeah and the rating the rating is a genius right so the rating on here i usually do like a, a one to ten scale with 10 being really really intense surprisingly enough what i have found is that if we both rate it a 10 we manage the discussion way better than if one of us is a 10 and one of us is a one. Because yeah, that makes sense. If you've got full ends of the spectrum, I can't understand why you would not have some feeling and emotion behind this or why, you know, you don't care. What, like, what are your wants? You don't care? Well, yeah, I don't. Cause I'm a one. Like, I, I don't care. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. You, <laughs> yeah. you could do this. You could do that. You do, yeah. Take your pick. Whatever is fine, right? What I'm willing to do at a one, I'm willing to listen to you and then go with whatever you do. I'm good. Yeah, that's That's, it's the classic, what do you want for dinner tonight? What do you want for dinner tonight? I don't really care. I don't really care either. And then you say, okay, well, let's do this. And then the other person is like, nah, I don't want that. I'm like, okay, so you do care more than me. So you decide we'll do that. So funny that you bring that up because when I teach rules of engagement with clients, you know what I, you you know what I tell them to do to test it out. I say, next time you're debating about what you want for dinner, call a timeout, watch what happens. Okay. Call a timeout 15 minutes. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Like I I just, I've seen it over and over. One of you is going to be pissed. And so what are you going to do? You're going to go to the pantry and you're going to get a snack. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to come down. You're going to be able to engage in the conversation again. The other one's going to walk away and take the time out because they were probably the ones who called for the time out. They're going to think up three or four different options for dinner. And then when they come back together in 15 minutes, you're not fighting the overwhelming emotion of the person who needed a snack and didn't go get a snack. But now because they got a timeout, they went and got a snack and the other one's got four ideas. It's going to be like, yeah, those are all great ideas. How come we didn't do this before? No, it's, but you know, what's going to happen first. First thing, first thing is going to happen is you're both going to be super irritated that one of you called a timeout. It's going to be like, (laughs) Oh, I just want to eat. (laughs) <laughs> give me some food why yeah. because you're overwhelmed yeah it's it's a- absolutely hilarious yeah and, and i'm gonna be honest it just telling that story here when yeah. i tell that story it, it you know in in the office mm-hmm. funny thing happens they're like oh my gosh i don't know if i could call that time out like <laughs> that's exactly when you need to call that time yeah out. Yeah, yeah yeah for sure because you're emotionally overwhelmed anyway. So I back of, to the, go ahead. I thought of, I thought of another, um, another off limits rule. Okay. Don't try to win. There are no winners. That's, that's another rule. 
meaning you're 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 not trying to win and the other person is not trying to win you're you're trying to come to a sensible conclusion to the conflict together and so if if your whole focus is on winning the argument or winning the disagreement then then you're not working together you're just trying to be the winner Mm-hmm. And and that's another informal rule that we have, and that is we're not trying to beat the other person. Beating the other person is a is a sports metaphor. You're trying to you're trying to do better than the other person, but it's so subjective in terms of a conflict that you you might think you won, but the conflict isn't gone. You just mm-hmm feel like you've won in that moment, but it'll yeah. be back. You don't get a ribbon, right? Or a medal. It's mm-hmm. so that's another thing. Is don't you're not trying to win. So. so when you first said it, I gotta tell you my my initial reaction was, oh no, we try to win. It's winning is it. But notice how even I phrase that. We yeah, try we, to win. We, yes. You, we do you try to win. It, exactly. When yes. you described it, I was like, you know, you're saying the same thing. It's just yeah. a different way. I absolutely try to get a win for us. Us. Yeah. And that, that goes back to that you, me, and us piece. How mm-hmm. in every relationship, there's three, not mm-hmm. just two. And yeah. then you add children in. And then it's like even more complicated. Because right. you add a, a child. And now all of a sudden, there's nine. You know. 10 technically 10 yeah so and it gets infinitely more complicated um yeah but so okay so that's a good that's a good rule of engagement i think uh what what other what other um when it comes to rules of engagement when when you like i'm gonna just take you into a scene because i i wanna i wanna pull some information you got you you go on to a scene and, you know, there's a couple they, clearly they're both losing their mind, mm-hmm. right? Their, their prefrontal cortex is offline and they are emotionally overwhelmed. Uh, what in, in a situation like that, what is, if you're an outsider mm-hmm. coming into a situation like that, what's your rule of engagement? Oh, wow. It's uh don't be part of the problem that's going to be the first rule and that is you're you're not picking sides so you you want to be uh inquisitive you want to ask questions you want to get them to articulate the best they can why they're feeling a certain way or why they're observing the situation in a certain way and and just have them talk and the more they can talk and explain what their issue is the more they'll calm down they they tend to if they'll struggle at first is what we would see they would struggle and say okay i, I don't know i just feel like this and this is what he said and this is what they did and you know and then she did that and they're, they're telling you the story it's like okay i get all the story what's what's your What's your problem? Like, what do you want to see as a solution? How do you want it resolved? What would make you less angry? Like how, how can we, you know, help remedy this situation and have them articulate that the best they can. So from a outsider's perspective, it's just, you're there not to solve their problem. You're there not, you're not trying to, you know, make their relationship, you know, perfect you're there to say hey let me let's figure this out you know let let us become a we and let's you tell me what is it that you need you know kind of a thing and just ask a bunch of questions get them talking it's interesting except for that very very last part so what's that the not picking sides is great like love that the uh, Mm -hmm. the us becoming a we that you said which i i agree with to a an extent Mm -hmm. you're trying to what you're trying to do is empathize in the we sense not but we not exactly no no what i mean by a we is i want i want to i want them to turn their focus from the other individual 
and turn their focus to me. Answer my questions. The the we that I'm trying to establish is it's I'm here with you, right? I don't know your situation. I don't know you. I don't know anything about you, but I'm here right now with you. And I want you to focus on, on, on what I'm trying to say. Not, not like let's create a relationship. It's temporary in nature, but that's what I mean. But that is actually empathy. Empathy is okay. an attempt to see the world as if you're them, but without taking on their baggage. Okay. Fair so enough. that's what you're doing. You're trying to get a, you're trying to capture a sense mm-hmm. of their being in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's empathy. Okay. Now where it crosses a line potentially, it, and you, you were pretty careful about it, but what we don't want to do is form allies. So like right. we could rabbit hole here. Let me, let me explain how we could rabbit hole. And then you could decide if you want to go down this path or not. Sure. Right. So in our culture right now, we have these, these groups that are saying things like uh, they're, they're, they're gathering as a group. Let's say, I mean, you can, you can name a ton of topics. You can talk about something from abortion, uh, race, LGBTQ, uh, to uh, something. I, I can't even keep track of them all now. Right. These, all these groups of people, mm-hmm. right. And what's happening is all of these allies are building up behind them, right? Mm-hmm. People who are not even LGBTQ, who are not really engaged in any significant way in the race issue, um, historically, uh, you know, are, you know, are pro or pro life or, you know, uh, uh, pro abortion, mm-hmm. like whatever, you know, and what they're doing is they're allying. They're mm-hmm. taking sides with those groups. So, for instance, if I took a, a, a side on the race issue, like a side, like I decided that, you know, that people have been wronged or people have not been wronged, mm-hmm. right? And I ally with those people and I give them a sense of my power to, to, to pull them along. For instance, uh, you know, I've heard this before many, many times. Uh, I am, uh, in all appearance, a Caucasian male, right? Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't understand because of my lightness in every way that we're Italian. Mm-hmm. They don't like, they don't equate that. They don't go, Oh, well, I mean, and technically that would still be a Caucasian male. It's just pretty dark mm-hmm. normally, not this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. What, what, what they would say, some people would say to me is, well, you need to give your white power to the black community. They would tell me that. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I do that, you know what message I actually send? Any idea what message I send? Not exactly, because I'm not exactly sure where you're going with it, but I'm. Okay, let's go for the ride. What message I send to the black community, you can't do it without me. Oh, I see. In other words, I victimize them again. So when we end up in those really, you know, like really tough, tough spots, and all of these things are tough. Abortion, Mm -hmm. that's complex. LGBTQ, complex. Race, complex these aren't simple like i have all the answers they're complex topics mm-hmm. but the moment i ally i tell you know somebody who's lgbtq that you're too weak to do it without a what do they call us cis white male you need me or you can't do it i'm i'm sending them a clear message they're too weak without me I got you. And the so same is true in a couple. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying that, that it can't be done. Ugh. Okay. Cause we were, we started off talking about the empathy thing yep. and picking sides. And so once you choose a side, now you are, you're saying not only do you support that side, but that that side is 
too weak to do it on their own and you are then needed in order to solve the problem which they actually need to solve on their own kind of a thing in a very well, overly simplified way yeah what what's the risk of not of them not solving it on their own if they can't solve it themselves you know what that means you're going to need you're going to be coming back over and over and over right you mean yay i mean i'm betting you had some things like that <laughs> those oh, yeah. calls you're like oh yeah it's saturday night and it was on a payday so i know i'm going to this house tonight yeah yep there was definitely those for sure you that just knew it was going to happen yeah and so then they become dependent on somebody outside to come in and ally with them solve their problem for them yeah because they in effect become too weak why we told them they were weak all along like that's the easiest solution I'll okay all jason so i've got so i i got a question for you then so um i've been in education and you're in uh clinical psychology we both are in the 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 world of solving problems or helping people solve problems and uh how then so why are you needed why is someone like me needed and okay so i can tell you what i do when i'm when i'm sitting with clients uh on day one the very very first day that i meet them I go over a little, I go over our ethics and in the ethics, no, the first ethic, ethical principle is autonomy. Autonomy means you have the right to choose your path. Unless you are dangerous to yourself or to somebody else, uh, like uh, their life is in danger, right? Mm -hmm. Then you choose your path, which means I make recommendations and you make decisions. Now, that's tricky because yeah. they sometimes will still put me up on a pedestal as if I'm some kind of guru that's going to help them from. So after I have established, I make recommendations and I'll literally say things like, and look, if I make a really stupid recommendation and you choose to do it, that's on you. Like you have to keep your filter engaged because I am capable of not knowing some things that are going on in your life. I'm very capable of that. And because if I either don't, you don't tell me or I just can't read between the lines well enough because I don't know you that well yet. That's right. Okay. And I'm, and I'm, so I'm capable of not knowing. And therefore you have to remain the expert in your world. You, you have to like you right. now, now what I can do is fill in knowledge gaps so I can do the teaching part. Mm -hmm. And the more I get to know you, the better I'm going to be able to make recommendations that fit your particular life and puzzle. Because mm -hmm. I'll be able to go, oh, your frame of reference is here. Your goal is over here. I kind of have a pretty good idea of where you are at the moment. And so my recommendation would be along these this line because I know where you're trying to go. Yeah. Right. So that would be an, an easy example for that would be, uh, you know, maybe helping somebody pick a new job. Right. Well, I know where they were. I've, I've, they've gone over their job experiences with me, their social challenges around those stuff like that. I know where they want to go. Mm -hmm. And so I can go, I can pretty reasonably go, Oh, you want to pick something in, you know, in this, this, range right here there's these five six things that i'm seeing out there it's right. super easy like that's an easy example i mean obviously they're not always that easy but right right that's that's an easy one okay so yeah i just remember this quote i forget who said it but it said uh, medicine is the only profession that seeks incessantly to destroy the reason for its own existence and you're in that world it's it's mental medicine Yep, but you're still, and and I guess education in some respects also, you know, because once the student masters something, they don't need the teacher anymore, in that in that particular context. But yeah, I mean, okay, you work yourself out of a job. 
That's that's the goal, honestly. And and yeah. and the the better I have gotten at working myself out of a job, yeah, uh, the the more clients are knocking on the door. Well, it makes sense though, because then because maybe what you're doing is you're getting better at showing the clients a way to see their problems and solve them on their own. That's right. You're not, you're not telling them what to do. You're saying, Hey, this is what you said. And this is where you want to go. And here's a couple of little bridges that you can build. And once you build those, you should be able to walk from here to there. And, and then, you know, whatever comes along, you should be able to fight those and, you know, go, go and, and do that. And that is the growth yeah. model. Yeah. That is the whole point. Like growth is really what we go for. If yeah. I do my job well, I'm helping people do the work they need to do to grow. But that's also why, I mean, I'm a really direct therapist when it comes to addressing things, which is kind of funny because I'm super relational in my approach, but I, I'm direct with feedback. I'll be like, you know, you said this, like, did you mean it? Cause you're doing this, you're incongruent here. Mm-hmm. Right. That doesn't make sense. If you, if so which one is it? Are you, are your words meaningful or your actions meaningful? And then they'll right. usually do the, well, it's both. <laughs> my words are meaningful, but my actions don't align yet. Okay. Well, yeah. what do we got to do to get the actions aligned? And so then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll brainstorm and solve those problems. Yeah. But at the, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is help them see how they can grow and continue the growth process. I've got the, I've got a quote uh, outside my door. Uh, I, you know, this is me just being ridiculous. Most people don't ever even see it, but it's sideways. It's, it's written sideways. So you have to like turn your head. Okay. And it's, it's the, uh, it's the quote that says, uh, you know, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. So as a therapist, if I'm doing my job really well, what I'm doing is I'm keeping them at the edge of their comfort zone mm-hmm. constantly, like where they know they can crawl back in if they need to, because if, if it's too much for them to handle emotionally or whatever, but they're constantly pushing that, that, that edge forward. So that's like one of your rules of engagement then. Absolutely. You got to set is. the... Yeah. So you set the parameters in at the beginning and say, is what's the deal? And yep. And then, but I do it explicitly. I do it explicitly. Yeah. And it's, it's tough because a lot of times in these relationships, we don't do that. I mean, here's the thing. If you sat down with your wife and you said, you know, here's some of the rules of engagement for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I can almost guarantee what she's going to go. She's going to go. Yeah. Right. She'll say, duh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, of course. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of people can't naturally get there for whatever reason, their own blocks, their partner's blocks, their, their kids blocks, like whatever it is, people put up these blocks, these barriers. And so stating them explicitly, can this is the barrier right here. You don't listen. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's such an easy soft skill but it's so it's so easy to ignore that because you get wrapped up in your own thoughts and i don't know how many times you just turn your thoughts off for a second and just hear it you're like okay i i, I didn't hear that i heard i heard it that time you know <laughs> kind of a thing so that's why i can sit with people from Tons of different backgrounds. I can work with, you know, just, I mean, literally I've worked with just about everything there is in mental health because I did so much crisis treatment. Mm-hmm. I can sit with, you know, I mean, some of them are hard for me. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, when I sit with somebody who has harmed children, mm-hmm. that's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough there. You know, there's but I learned early on sitting with people uh, that had harmed children, which is what I spent most of my life fighting against, right? Mm-hmm. Don't harm children. Just do not harm children. Like mm-hmm. that was like my, that could have been my motto for like 
15 years, Mm -hmm. 20 years. But after sitting with one early on and going, oh my gosh, they were a child and they were harmed and they have a story that is brutal that I wouldn't wish on any child. Mm -hmm. And now they're an adult and they're repeating what they know. We've got to shift that. Mm -hmm. But things started coming a lot clearer of like, oh, if I just, just get out of my own way and I listen to mm-hmm. this person I don't agree with, I literally wanted to just come across and be like, mm-hmm. but if I just take the time to listen, I'm going to be a lot more productive. They're going to, they're going to feel a sense of belonging that they may have never felt before that agape style love, that care of, I accept you as you are. I may not like what you do. Everything else is negotiable but the love is not right. That kind of concept. Yeah. So it's hard though, man. Like at times. No, I, I mean, there's people that say, you know, I don't know how you were in law enforcement or how you were in the military and this and that. And, you know, I could say the same thing about sitting down and listening to people's stories or problems or whatever. I, I couldn't do it. You know, I know I've said that before, but it's not, that's hard. You know, I'm not going to cut someone's chest open and try to whatever. And I'm not going to sit and listen to someone's brain open either. I know my skill set, and it's not that, you know. Yeah, but you know how many people say teaching is hard? And on your side, you're probably like, well, I mean, some things, but no, mostly not. Yeah. Right. You just, you've got the skill set for it. So some people think this stuff, you, what we're doing right here, this podcasting is hard, but literally for like, well, whatever the last 45 minutes, hour, whatever, it's been longer tonight than normal. Yeah. But like, dude, we're just chilling and talking about stuff. This isn't hard. Not in comparison to what a lot of people are dealing with. True. So very true. All right, man. Well, I probably better let you go. Um, let's, you know, let's summarize with, I hope this was helpful. We kind of rabbit trailed a little bit, but you know, I, I think there's some good value in here. Uh, if people really want to set good, healthy rules of engagement, they can find this to be useful. Um, thanks for joining us for all of you out there in podcast land. We appreciate your time. We hope you enjoyed this. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information.